Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Lynn White and I serve as an elder here in the congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. In obedience and trust, we approach you, God of the covenant. Day by day, your promises are filled among us. Our redemption is drawing near. Help us to prepare ourselves and our communities for Christ's coming. Equip us now to worship you with all the saints, past and present, nearby and far away. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in the praise to the glory of God.
Today is the third Sunday of Advent. We will light the candle that represents joy. Listen now to the words of great joy from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks uh, at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Suddenly there was a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, to those on whom his favor rests. We light this candle today in the preparation for the coming of Christ.
it seems that we are always rebuilding our lives and our relationship with the Holy One. This context of worship is a sacred space for that building project. So, friends, let the Holy One stir up your spirit to truthfulness as we confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. God of promises and possibilities, we admit that we color the world according to our own limited vision. We are often unjust in our judgments and faithless in our relationships. We are haunted by sins we have not confessed. Hear us as we entrust them to your forgiving care. Help us to let go of our transgressions, to renew our covenant with you, and to live constructively with one another. In the spirit of Jesus Christ, who's coming among us, we await with great expectation. In his name we pray, amen. God's word stirs up the spirit, letting us believe in fresh beginnings and dreaming new futures. Forgiveness is a dreaming word. You are precious to God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we continue to worship, let us join with the saints down through the ages in affirming what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, in the spirit and joy of the season, let us turn and greet one another in Jesus' name.
Good morning. morning. Welcome to this third Sunday of Advent. We are so blessed, aren't we, to be able to gather in this wonderful space to worship our God and to continue our journey to Bethlehem. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome, especially if you're a first-time visitor. We are glad that you're with us, and we hope that you'll let us know who you are, maybe by putting your name on the friendship paths, which will be hopefully passing by you over the course of the next couple of minutes. And if you'd like to hear more from us about what's happening here at Church of the Palms, just uh, put your email address on that uh, friendship pad, and we'll be glad to send you information as it uh, as we continue down our path. We had a wonderful day yesterday. This uh, campus again was full. Our deacons met over in the campus center, 80 strong, to celebrate Christmas and to uh, be encouraged in their ministry uh, to take care of our congregation. And then here in the sanctuary yesterday afternoon, the place was full of angels and shepherds, <laughs> literally full of angels and shepherds. Uh, and it was a wonderful Christmas pageant. We were delighted for the whole community to be a part of that, and it was just a wonderful day. We uh, continue down our path. We have a new members class today, right after our service. If you'd like to join us over in the chapel reception room, we'd love to have you. If you'd like to learn more about what's going on here at Church of the Palms, uh, please uh, join us for that. This coming Wednesday night, Advent Through the Arts will be shifting over here to the sanctuary because we're gonna be doing some carol singing, and uh, Dr. Morgan Roberts, whom you uh, know through our summer uh, preaching series, will be leading uh, some reflections on some of the carols of Advent and Christmas, and you won't wanna miss that. This is uh, material directly coming out of his new book on 28 carols to sing at Christmas, so we invite you to come and join us for that. It will be a great and festive time. We would love for you to help us out with hospitality during the season, and that would be in the form of either ushering during some of our services. As I've mentioned before, some folks uh, have to go away for the holidays, and so we uh, need some folks to kind of step in to help out with that. So if you'd like to be an usher during one of our services here throughout the course of the rest of the season, or if you have the spiritual gift of car parking, <laughs> if you would like to help us out in the parking lot, take your life in your own hands, but to help us out in the parking lot to direct people to good parking over the course, especially Christmas Eve, we can use your help. Uh, please let us know, just check in the back. Uh, Yoko would be glad to take your name and we would be glad to uh, put your name down. You'll notice in one of the uh, flyers in your bulletin that uh, we are making great progress in our echoes of generosity. Last week we identified the fact that we'll need to receive around $400,000 over the course of this Advent season, the rest of December to the end of the year. And uh, we've already made a step of $125,000 toward that, only 275 to go, and we're grateful for those of you who have sent in extra gifts for your end of year, and uh, we are just leaving that before you and asking that the good Lord will continue to respond through your generosity. And then lastly, we just wanna call to your attention another uh, opportunity for you to participate in the Advent journey is for you to be invitational to those who perhaps don't have a church home. Studies show that 90% of first-time visitors in the church come as an invitation by an invitation from someone already worshiping here. 90% of people don't, uh, will come if they are invited to come to worship. And uh, studies also show that Christmas is the perfect time to invite somebody. It's the most receptive time for people. People are always happy to receive an invitation to come to church during the Christmas season. But 90% of Presbyterians, I think, are a little reluctant to do that. 
uh, we're a little shy about inviting people to come to church. So on, on your way out the door, you're going to be receiving a Christmas card that uh, will be good for you because it has all the information about all of our Christmas services over the course of the last week of Advent. But also, it will be a card for you to share with somebody that they may receive from you an invitation. Just say, hey, you, if you don't have anywhere to go for Christmas, a wonderful place to come, Church of the Palms. Here's all the information, and that's all you need to do. In fact, our youth are pretty excited about this, and they have done a little video as an encouragement for you to think about your reluctance as well as the opportunity of receiving an invitation through this Christmas card. So let's roll the videotape. Hi, I'm Ed Weasley with COPSO, and I know that I find it hard to invite people to church sometimes. And I think you do too. If you're like me, maybe in your mind you run through all the bad reaction that you can get after inviting someone to church. So, um, hey guys! Hey, hey Meg! Um, I actually have a question for you. Uh, yeah. Do you want to come to church with me this weekend? Ooh. Um, actually, we're atheists. Oh, yeah, but... Oh, but... Do you want to come over this weekend and uh do nothing sounds great see you around <laughs> bye Meg. Okay. hey hey um i was wondering if you wanted to come to church with me this weekend uh no hablo inglés oh but i mean no hablo inglés no hablo inglés no hablo inglés oh I, i'm really sorry maybe another time maybe another time <laughs> Here at COPSM, we have the perfect solution for you and your Christmas Eve invitation jitters. Let's see it in action. Meg, you got this. Yeah, yeah, you got this. Oh, the consistency of the peaches really freaks me out. I really out. don't like the fuzz on yes. this. Oh, hey, do you oh, hey. want to come to church with me this weekend? Uh, here's a flyer. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Sure. Meg invited us. Christmas at Church of the Palms. <clears throat> For a limited time only, just today, maybe next Sunday, but don't delay. Get one today. Grab one. Grab one on your way out. Weasley out. So the ushers will be handing you these cards as you make your way out the door and uh, make that an easy thing to do for them and take this with you not only for your own benefit but more importantly for the benefit of somebody else. Thank you.
Let us pray. In the stillness of this moment, we ponder your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your sanctuary. You are our refuge and our strength. When we are afraid, we put our trust in you. You keep track of all our sorrows. You have collected all our tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. You have delivered our souls from death and our feet from falling through your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might walk before you in the light of life. We give you praise and thanksgiving for this and for the many blessings you bestow upon us day after day. We thank you for this nation that is still free. We thank you for this beautiful place to live. We thank you for our precious families and friends and for this wonderful community of brothers and sisters in Christ here at Church of the Palms, where we pour out our time, our talent, and our treasure in service to you, to each other, and to this needy world through our missions and ministries. We ask for your continued blessings on all these. And we bring our needs also to you, O God, for you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ever ask or think or even imagine. We ask for your healing for those who are ill, your comfort for those who are grieving or lonely or depressed, and your provision for those who are in need of any kind. Help us always to remember to turn to you with our needs as our first recourse and not as our last resort. For it is only you who can satisfy us with all good things, only you who can bring good from evil and beauty from ashes. Though we live in relative peace and ease, O Lord, the world around us is a confusing place. Even as violence and terror erupted in San Bernardino, California and Burundi, Africa, women voted for the first time in Saudi Arabia and world leaders reached an agreement at the climate summit in Paris. Even in our own lives, it sometimes feels like two steps closer to you and then three steps back. We thank you, O oh God, that in spite of what we see in the world around us, in spite of how we ourselves feel sometimes, you are sovereign. You are in control. Everything you do is in love and salvation history is right on schedule according to your timeline. Because we know this, we can say with Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. And now with absolute confidence in your love and mercy and grace toward us, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with a presentation of our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Holy Father, blessed are you who entrust us to care for and enjoy the richness of your creation. Through these, our tithes and offerings, we return to you a portion of that which you have given us. May they be a means of serving you in the fulfillment of your great commandment and great commission. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward. So we have a special, special time that we get to front row seat for the baptism. So let's sit right over here, guys. Come on over. We're going to... We are blessed, aren't we, always to have a time when the family of God gets to see the lengths and breadths of what it means to be the family of God, especially in baptism when we remember how we have all been claimed as God's children and how we all have been given the task to share this good news of being the family of God with all of creation. And we are delighted in baptism where we get to uh, receive yet another child into the great family of God and we get to make our own covenant promises for this child and for ourselves to be mindful of the fact that we truly are uh, the body of Christ and that we are this great institution in the world that shares this great light with the rest of the world and we do so one person at a time and so we're delighted to have the Llewellyns before us today and bringing with them little Vivian and Ava, mm -hmm. uh, very very proud sister who uh, gets to rejoice with the baptism of her sister. And so we rejoice in this good news that God has claimed us as his own, and we do so by making covenant promises. So I'd like to ask Kate and Chase if you would respond to these questions. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Vivian an example of the new life in Christ? And to you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, do you undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? And will you endeavor by your example and your fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. We rejoice, O Lord, that you have claimed us as your children. And we thank you that in this moment of baptism that your spirit attends to us, that we may, through our promises, extend that grace to those children of our church family. We're thankful to be with this particular family and pray, O Lord, that you will join us as we baptize Vivian into the life in Christ that she may truly know of the joy it means to be a part of the great family of God. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Vivian, Lee, Llewellyn, child of the covenant, I baptize you 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, it's okay. Oh, 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 oh. oh, hey, look at this. You were this once. You were this size once. And you get to be a part of the great family of God, as does little Vivian. Well, yes, I understand. Lori. I'll do what I do. So on behalf of Family Ministry, we want to officially welcome sweet Vivian into our faith family. So we know that as parents, you are the most important influence in her life, but you're not the only influence she needs. So we are here with you every step of the journey. And to commemorate this day, look at this beautiful cross stitch that someone makes for us and a Bible that you guys can read together with Ava and with Vivian. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, oh God, for this precious little girl. We're grateful that you count all of life precious and thankful that as together, the body of Christ, we know that you love us all. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs> Okay. So, have you guys been working on your chains? Chains of love, acts of kindness, yes? Well, if you haven't, you can start today, all every day through Advent, and guess what? Every time you do that, you spread joy to someone else, and then like a boomerang, it comes right back to you. And what candle did we light today? Joy, right? So, because we had our children's um, Christmas pageant here yesterday, and it really was flooded with angels and shepherds, we thought we would share our one song with you. We'll do angels we have heard on high. Let's scoot over to the middle. Uppy, 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 and stand up. And we're going to sing. You guys have to sing along, and we'll show you the motions that we learned. Come on up here. Come on up. You ready? Angels we have heard. Gracious God, we thank you for filling our hearts with joy. Help us, Lord, to spread that love and that kindness, giving that joy away. Amen. For those of you who are thinking that the pastor just forgot the second hymn, I haven't. But we're running a little bit out of time and we wanted to save a little time for our TV audience to uh, be with us at the conclusion of the service. So let us attend to the reading of God's word as it comes to us from first the book of Ezra, chapter three, beginning at the 10th verse. Hear the word of God. 
When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, were symbols with symbols according to the directions of King David of Israel, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families of old, old, and old people who had seen the first house on its foundations wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not diminish the, distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. Our second lesson is from Luke chapter 2, beginning at the 25th verse. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. <clears throat> By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come, to point to the word just read and to the word that we know in Jesus the Christ, born in Bethlehem, for we pray this in his name, amen. Several years ago, I had the chance to return with a friend to the town where I grew up on the east side of Detroit, St. Clair Shores. It had been a long time since I had been there, and I was excited to see my old haunts and to show a little bit of my childhood to my friend. And as we drove into the town, there was the, there was the public library where I would go to check out books that was pretty much the same, and there was the public pool where I spent my summer days, and it was pretty much the same, and there was the lake shore where I would hang out with my friends, and that was pretty much the same, and there was my church where I was enfolded into the loving family of God, as was Vivian, pretty much the same. There was the police station where I spent a lot of time, pretty much the same. <laughs> Truthfully, I did spend a lot of time there because I was a paper boy and I had to pick up my papers at the police station, so. <laughs> I won't explain the other stories, but anyway. But all of it was pretty much the same, and with each of these stops, I would pause and tell my friend a story or two about the things that took place there and what they meant to me, and then we drove up the road in order to show my friend my elementary school, Gordon Elementary School, and so we turned the corner only to find that Gordon Elementary School was gone. 
completely gone, not a trace. Not that it had been remodeled, not that it had been added to, not that it had been repurposed. It was completely gone. No more playground where I hung from the jungle gym. No more baseball field where Danny McElroy and I got into a fist fight. No more alcove where I stole a kiss from Cindy Lore. No more classrooms where I learned to read, write, and do arithmetic. Instead, townhouses on this sacred soil where I learned to spell and fight and play and love and add two plus two, townhouses. How can they do this? I said to my friend, half in jest and half in lament. How can they take this sacred space away? How dare they? Did they not, did they not think to call me? <laughs> Was there any way to hold on to this hallowed ground? We paused for a moment as I tried to take it in. And as we paused and stared down one of the streets, one of the residents of this new community, a woman stepped out of her home to start walking her dog. Down the street, a father drove into the driveway after a long day's work. Across the street, two children played in the front yard. Next to them, a woman was raking her leaves. And after a few moments, my friend said, <clears throat> I don't know, still looks pretty sacred to me, and I bet it's pretty sacred to them. New buildings, new people, new sacred space. I hate when my friends are more mature than me. <laughs> a new sacredness for a new people. The truth is I'm a pretty sentimental guy. As much as I've tried in my life to push forward, to do new things, discover new places, embrace new ministries, there is a part of me that can't help but to look back and to hold on to the sacredness of my past, the places where my life was shaped, the experiences that built what little character I possessed, the people who had invested in my life. And these are the sacred spaces, right? The sacred moments, the sacred people. And there's a part of each of us, I imagine, that wants to protect the sacredness of our past, to not let it go, to place before it a no trespassing, sign. Many of us have decorated our homes for Christmas, and I don't know about you, but this annual tradition of decorating is a trip, isn't it, to the sacredness of the past. We pull out our storage boxes filled with the sacred relics of Christmas, right? Ornaments our children made, creches passed down by the family, stockings that generations of children reached into, and we prepare for our Christmas traditions, the things we do to call us back to those moments when we encounter the love and presence of God and family. There's a part of each of us that wants to protect the sacredness of our traditions. Do not disturb, we say. But things change, right? Things change. It is as true a statement as you ever hear in this world. Things change. Isaiah, the prophet that we've been reading about, would say to us, behold, God is doing a new thing. And what God always seems to be doing is creating a new sacredness for a new people. Last Sunday when the McConnell family were decorating our tree, we paused as we took some of the ornaments out of the box and were hanging them and we paused and we remembered them as the ornaments from an earlier generation, parents and grandparents, 
And the stories we remembered about these ornaments were stories I'm sure that were a little bit different than the stories that they remembered. And they had accommodated, we had accommodated now these little ornaments into our own Christmas tradition, which was different than my parents' tradition and my grandparents' tradition because why things change. God is doing a new thing. It's hard to imagine the feeling that was felt when the people of God gathered on the mount they called Zion to reconstruct the temple. It's almost impossible to imagine the feelings. It had been almost four generations since the Babylonians had swept through their neighborhood, their town, their region, and they carried off most of the people of Israel to take them into exiled captivity in a foreign land. Almost as bad, they had laid waste to Jerusalem, their capital city, and perhaps worse, maybe worst of all, the Babylonians had leveled their temple, had leveled their sacred space, the place where they had come to encounter God, to gather his people, to meet his neighbors, to offer sacrifices. The temple was their identity, and it was gone. It's hard to imagine the feeling that after close to 80 years of being away from their hometown, the people of God are given the chance to come back and to, and to rebuild and there the temple lays in ruins. So they clear away the rubble and they, they lay down a new foundation. They begin to create a new space. And the historian tells us that when they laid the foundation, the new foundation, there was a, there was a great shout of joy. God was, God was doing a new thing. God had brought them home. God was giving them a new and, and sacred space. But then the writer adds, but there were many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations and they wept. They wept with a loud voice when they saw this new house so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. They could not distinguish the, the sound of the joyful voice and the sound of the people's weeping. It's a perfect picture, isn't it, of, of what happens when things change, when, when God creates a new sacredness for a new people. Some will, some will shout for joy and some will weep for what is no longer and somewhere in the midst of it all, God is doing a new thing. The first church I served just outside of Philadelphia had its start as a German-speaking Presbyterian congregation in North Philadelphia, and for its first 75 years, served the German population of North Philadelphia. All of their worship was in German, until the time came to leave behind their sacred space and to move to the growing part of Philadelphia. Can you imagine leaving behind a sacred space of four generations? And with it, they gave up on some of their sacred German traditions to accommodate to this English-speaking neighborhood into which they had moved until eventually I arrived and you would have never known that it was and had been a German congregation. 
I had five wonderful years there, and then 15 years after I left, that little church had grown so small that they couldn't pay their bills. They decided to, to close. They decided to, that the season of that congregation was over. They asked me to come and preach at their last worship service, and there was weeping, and I was one of them. But there was shouting as well, for the joy of the elders came when they knew they would hand the keys of their sacred space to a Ghanaian Presbyterian congregation, first and second citizen generations from Ghana and Africa that would plant within this building their little church. And, and who would believe that within a couple of years it would be filled to the rafters with first and second generation Ghanaian Americans who worship with just a little different style than us chosen frozen German Scots. They shouted for joy. It was a new sacredness for a new people. I don't suppose the world was quite ready for the new sacredness that Mary carried inside of her womb. The priests and the Pharisees had their sacred temple. The great King Herod had what for him was a sacred palace. Even little Bethlehem had its little sacred neighborhoods. The world had its own sacredness, so it was difficult for anyone to find any room for the new sacredness, this baby that Mary was soon to deliver. The, the priests and the Pharisees didn't have any room. King Herod didn't have any room. Even the the house and lineage of David didn't really have any room. Luke tells us there wasn't even room in the inn. So Mary and Joseph were left to lay the new sacredness into a manger, huddled into the corner where the animals fed. Who would have picked a, a cattle trough for the new sacred space? God is doing a new thing, right? Ironic, isn't it, that it's the old man, right? Old man Simeon, who spent most of his time in that old sacred temple, that when they bring to the temple the baby Jesus, the new sacredness, oh, it's the old man who reaches out and takes him into his arms. And with his embrace, he says, oh, God is doing a new thing. Many will fall and rise as a result of it. In other words, things are going to change and not everybody's going to like it. So doesn't the old Simeon have something to teach us? Lord knows he had no idea that that grand temple in which he stood to embrace the new sacredness, he had no idea that that mammoth temple would 75 years later be reduced to rubble. No one could have imagined that, but down it would come. But Simeon had eyes long past the temple to see this new sacredness. He had eyes to see the coming of the Lord. He had eyes to see the salvation of God. Is there a more certain thing that will happen in your life and mine than change? 
And sometimes the change will be slow and gradual. Sometimes the change will be fast and abrupt. Sometimes the change will be welcomed and sometimes the change will be unwanted. Most of the time, the change will be something quite beyond our control. Transfer to a new town, diagnosis from a doctor, the ending of a marriage, unexpected news from a child, new society norms, technology we can't seem to catch up to, a church that does new and different things. Nothing stays the same. And with those things will come the weeping of loss as well there should, for the temple's no longer. Things are not the way they used to be. That which was once sacred to us has been passed as a new sacredness to others. Sometimes even life itself. I remember an early morning years ago when I got a call in that same church from a family. The beloved patriarch of the clan had had a heart attack and could I come quickly to the hospital? And so I did. And at bedside with several of the family, we waited together to see if his old body was strong enough to hold on. And as it turned out, it wasn't. He passed. And we prayed and we wept and we held on to each other. And after a while, I backed away and left them to themselves and quietly tried to make my way to the elevator. The son of the deceased caught up to me in the hall to thank me for coming. We talked for a moment as he walked me to the elevator and when we got to the elevator, the door opened. And there on the elevator was a young man standing behind a wheelchair. And in the wheelchair was a young woman, a young mother holding her newborn child. And the grieving son turned to me with tears still in his eyes and said, behold, he does a new thing. And that's why we're the Advent people, right? Because we know God is gonna be doing a new thing. For we get to be the ones in the crowd that someday will turn our weeping into dancing, our tears into triumph. For though the temple shall fall, though the playground and classroom shall disappear, though the old ways are going away, though the change of life is for certain, there is one thing even more for certain, that God's doing a new thing. And to know this and to believe this, we open our eyes to see the coming salvation. We open our hearts to behold the baby born in unexpected places. We open our arms to embrace the new sacredness.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.